You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. was done without inquiring of the Lord. They didn't look to his will. And once they had the big cart, I'm sure David said, oh Lord, bless this now. Bless this Lord, look what we've done for you. Bless this, oh Lord. He didn't seek him. He didn't look to him. And we always want the Lord to bless our plans. We make our plans and go, Lord, bless our plans. Instead we should be saying, if it's your will, Lord, help us. Open a door no man can shut. Shut a door no man can open. Help us with this. What is your place? What are we supposed to do with this? How do you want us to work? There are so many times that believers will rush ahead with their plans and purposes without seeking the Lord first. And though it may be something God would want, it isn't done the right way. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to seek God's will first and don't simply expect Him to bless your own will and way. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of First Chronicles chapter 13 as he continues his message, David, Ark of the Covenant. You are what do we do when I need help? I call you, and I call him, and I call him, and I call them, and I call them, and I call them, and I call them, and I call the Pepsi truck driving by. I call everybody I want to talk to, and then I go, gee, who should I follow? Well, if it's right in your own eyes... You follow your own eyes. And say, don't you see there's a problem here? There's a problem here. So David gets off to a rough start. And Guzik said a group of godly men with good intention would soon make a significant mistake because they took counsel with each other and not with the Lord. Seek counsel. And then when you get the counsel, go to the Lord. Or go to the Lord first and listen to him and look at his word and then seek counsel to see if they match up. I'm not saying it's not wrong to seek counsel, but our, 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 our Lord has given us him. He's given him his, us himself to be our guide, to be our teacher. We talked about that. We talked about that in length in 1 John. As I said, the ark of God represented the immediate presence and glory of God in Israel. David was right in considering it a high priority. I got to get this thing back. We need to get it back where it belongs. David was right in that. He was right to bring it out of obscurity. He was right to get it back before the people. He wanted the people to be close to God. He wanted the people to draw near to God. David wanted Israel to be alive with a sense of the presence of God and the glory of God. You know that. You felt his presence before. You felt the glory of God with you in in something that you might have done. You felt that glory and that wonderful thing to bring a present. This is a good thing that David wanted. This is good thing that David wanted. So David says, let's get together, gang, and we're going to go after the ark. Let's look at 5 through 7. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor in Egypt as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. And David and all Israel went up to Balal, to Kirjath-Jerim, 
Jerem, from up to Balal to Kirjath Jerem, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of the Lord, of God the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim, where his presence is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadad, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Uzzah and Ahio happened to be Abinadad's sons. So as I said, David's desire to bring the ark of God to the people was good. They had the right idea, but they had the wrong motivation and the wrong method. What was mistake number one? The Levites weren't involved. Cart. They were putting it on a cart. Well, it's a new cart. No, they were putting it on a cart. Exodus 25 tells you that the design of the ark was supposed to be carried. And it was supposed to be carried only by the Levites and only by the family of Koath. Nobody else. That's why we went through the genealogy. Nobody else was supposed to carry the ark. Only the Levites, the priests. That's what they were called to do. We can imagine what these men thought. Look, we got a new cart for you, God. Isn't this great? We got a great new cart. We're going to take care of God. You're going to be pleased at this fancy new cart. And they thought their new technology and this luxury is going to cover their ignorance. Well, it didn't. We need to follow God's plans, and sometimes God's ways are so much different than ours. So much different than ours, and God wants us to follow him. He wants us to follow him in a way that he's going to show us, and he's going to guide us. And he has specific rules and regulations, especially in the Old Testament. There were specific rules and regulations on how to do things according to what God's rule was. The meaning of the names of the sons of Abinadad is interesting because Uzzah means strength and Aio means friendly. In Sion, who wrote this? It said, much service for the Lord is like this. A new great big cart, a big production with strength leading the way and friendly out front. <laughs> I love that. Everything was done without inquiring of the Lord. They didn't look to his will. And once they had the big cart, I'm sure David said, oh Lord, bless this now. Bless this, Lord. Look what we've done for you. Bless this, oh Lord. He didn't seek him. He didn't look to him. And we always want the Lord to bless our plans. We make our plans and go, Lord, bless our plans. Instead, we should be saying, if it's your will, Lord, help us. Open a door no man can shut. Shut a door no man can open. Help us with this. What is your place? What are we supposed to do with this? How do you want us to work? This was a good thing done in a wrong way. And it happened so quickly. I'm sure the Lord God wanted the ark where it belonged. I'm sure the Lord God wanted the ark back there, but they were doing it the wrong way. Look at verse 8. Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing on harps and string instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, with trumpets. The worship team was just out there. They were having a ball. They were having a great time. The ark was there. Woo, the atmosphere was joyful. It was exciting. It was engaging. They were all gone by feelings. The problem was none of it pleased God. None of it pleased God. Why? Because it was disobedient to his word. Man, when you're in disobedience to God's word, I don't care what you do. Unless you're confessing and repenting, God's not going to be too happy. You know, we are tempted to judge a worship experience by how it makes us feel. I didn't like worship today. I didn't get any tinglys up and down my spine. I didn't like worship today because I didn't play my song. I didn't like worship today because it just didn't do anything for me. 
When, when are we going to realize that worship isn't about pleasing you? Worship is about pleasing God. Worship is pleasing to God. In fact, sometimes the prayer is, Lord, we're singing to an audience of one. You're worshiping the most high God. He's invited you into his throne room to worship him. I don't I like that song. I have to admit, there are songs that I tend to like more than others. But if you're truly worshiping from your heart, how does God want to be worshiped? Somebody tell me. I heard it. In spirit and truth. John 4, that's what he told the woman at the well. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We're worshiping in the spirit, in the moment of the spirit, with a truthful heart. It's not about how I feel. It's not about the songs. It's about him and him alone. That's why when we sing these songs, we, you have to look at them. They're always giving glory to God. They're always telling God how much we love him. They're always having God receiving his love for us. It's very, very important. We are driven to his word so that we can know how to worship. We are to worship in spirit and in truth. So they got this big parade. There's great big parades going on, but something happens. You know the story. Look at verses 9 and 10. And when they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was roused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. Oh, Dave, that's pretty brutal. I can't believe it. Here he is moving the ark back. They're doing a good thing, and God killed this guy. What? Uzzah, remember what his name meant? Strength. Uzzah, in his strength, thought he could do something for God. And they got to the threshing floor, and it's believed that the oxen on the threshing floor kind of slipped on the hay, on the wheat, or whatever was there, and, it, and the ark kind of, and Uzzah went out and touched it to keep it from falling. In Numbers 4.15, it says, they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. God's word, not my words, God's word. It was a reflex action or an instinct. But God struck him down because his action was based upon critical thinking. He didn't think correctly. It didn't matter who transported the ark. It didn't matter how the ark was transported. He was error in thinking that because he stayed, the ark was at his father's house for so long, he had special privilege. I don't know, maybe. He heard and thinking that God couldn't take care of the ark itself if it started to fall. Oh, how many times do we want to help God out? How many times do we want to help God out? I'm going to help you out on this one, God, okay? David gets upset with this. This angers David. And you can understand why. There's some things in the, in the, in the scriptures that are difficult to handle. You can understand why. Look at verses 11 and 12. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, he called the place Perez Uzzah to this day, which basically means outburst. David was afraid of God that day, saying, how can I bring the ark of God to me? David wanted to bring the ark back to Jerusalem, and it was a good thing. 
He did his best, but it wasn't good enough without the Lord. David cries out to the Lord, what's going on? I don't understand what you're doing. How come this is happening? You killed a perfectly good man, a strong man who had a lot of strength. One of my mighty men, you killed him because he touched your ark. What's going on? Notice it never records an answer to David. Anybody know why? Why do you think the Lord didn't answer David when he asked him, what are you doing? What's wrong? He already told him. (laughs) It was in his word. God had already told him how to transport the ark. He had already told him not to touch holy things. He had already said it. Sometimes when we pray to God, we ask for a question and he's silent. That means it's here. We've been told it's in his word. And we need to look to his word. The Lord had spoken about how the ark was to move. He's already spoken to his word. He reveals his heart to us. And now he's waiting for us to discover in his word. Oh, so this is what happens. We've told you a million times that this is the greatest self-help book ever written. Far beats out all the self-help books in in the Christian bookstores. David can't move the ark. He said, I'm not moving this thing anymore. I don't know how to do it. And David was angry. And he says he was afraid of God that day. You know what? When this happened, it reminded me, great fear can come over people like that when God does something that drastic. Great fear comes over them. I'm thinking of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. When they, when they sold a house or sold their property and they went before the, the, the apostles and first Ananias was there and they said, how much did you sell it for? He said, well, such and such. He said, and this is all the money? Yeah, this is all the money. When he really had kept some money for himself. And they said, well, basically, whose money is it anyhow? You could have kept anything you want for yourself. How come you lied to the Holy Spirit? Goodbye. He dropped down dead. A couple minutes later, his wife, Sapphira, walks in and she has the same excuse. He said, and, and they said, listen, the men who drug your husband out are coming to drag you. <laughs> she died too. And I love the next verse. I, I'm sorry, but I love the next verse. It said, and great fear fell on the community. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Well, see, God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And everything he does is justice and truth. He does everything righteously. He gave them his word. And this is how you're supposed to act. And back here in this day, in the Old Testament, the wages of sin are still death. The wages of sin is death. There's no difference here. There was no savior back then. They had to obey the commandments of God. They had to obey these commandments. So David can't move the ark, so he takes it to the house of Obed-Edom. I love the name. So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in the house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. I guess so. Can you imagine that? Where did they put it? Where did they put the ark when they brought it in there? Did they put it someplace special in the living room? Or I don't know how big the house was. Did they have to walk around it? Did God appear to them in the midst of the time when the ark was there? What happened? Did Obed-Edom make sacrifice? Did he pray? What happened? But it says he blessed them abundantly. Well, why? Why were they blessed abundantly? Because they didn't touch it. And God's presence was there. They, they knew better. I'm not touching that thing. I'm not getting near that bad boy. You come near there, you'll die. It was the right place for it. Why was it the right place for the ark at Obed-Edom's house? I love that name, Obed-Edom. Why? Well, you know, I'm going to help you out here. First Chronicles 26, 4, you don't have to turn there. He was a Levite, and he had just happened to be from the family of Koath. 
where it was supposed to be. That's where the ark was supposed to be. It was the family of the tribe of Levi that God commanded to take care of the ark. So the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. When God's word is obeyed and his holiness is respected, they didn't touch anything, blessings follow. God wanted the ark to be a blessing to Israel, not a curse. One commentator said, we might say that the curse didn't come from God's heart, but from man's disobedience, unquote. So, David now establishes himself in Jerusalem. Let's look at 1 and 2 of chapter 14. Now Hiram, king of Tyrus, sent messengers to David and cedar trees with masons and carpenters to build a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. David's influence was powerful. It was important. People started to recognize it from all over the world, and they honored him, and David would give glory to God, which was the proper way. Giving glory to God when, when someone recognizes what God's doing. Look what God has done. Yeah, isn't God great? Look what he's done. I praise you, Lord, for doing the work that you want to do. God likes to choose people. And David knew two things. He said he knew these things. He knew that God had established him as king, and he knew that God had called him and established him over Israel. If God calls you to a ministry, he will establish you in that ministry. Why? Because it's his job to establish you. If he called you, but if you get into the ministry and you try to establish yourself, you're going to have problems. God is the one who creates ministries. God is the one who gives you that. David's kingdom was really exalted for the sake of the people Israel, not for David's sake, but for the people's sake. David knew God wanted to use them. It wasn't for David's sake that he was lifted up. It was for the people's sake. See, David was a humble guy. David knew that it wasn't for him. He was humble up to a point. And then in verse 3, yo, Dave, then David took more wives in Jerusalem. And David begot more sons and daughters. And these are the names of his children whom he had in Jerusalem. And there you go. Shema, Shobab, they got to get better names. Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elushia, Elakai, Noeg, Nepheg, Japheth. No, you know, they, come on, David. I'm sure they all mean something. But notice there's a couple things missing here. First of all, Deuteronomy 17, 7 says you, for the king, you shall not multiply wives. That's the first and foremost thing that happens here. 2 Samuel 5 tells us that David had even more concubines when he lived in Jerusalem. It's interesting, though, as we go through the book of Chronicles, something is left out. Does anybody know what is surprisingly left out of the book of Chronicles? David's sin with Bathsheba is left out. It's not talked about. It's not talked about. Even the murder of her husband is not talked about in 1 Chronicles. David saw these many children that he was getting from a blessing upon the Lord, but he had so many things. But you know what? Trouble comes to David's life from his relationship with women and from his children. Guzik said, it is often true that the seeds of our future trouble are sown in times of great success and prosperity. In some ways, David handled trials better than successes. You ever know anybody like that? They were great in trials, but they couldn't handle success. I've known people like that. They were great in trials, but success just overwhelmed them. 
And three to seven, you see David's children. Three to seven is David's children. But we, we see Solomon, but we don't see David's other sons. We don't see Ammon, who we had by Ohinoam. We don't see Daniel by Abigail. We don't see Absalom. We don't see Adonijah. We don't, and we don't see any anymore. David also had a daughter by the name of Tamar, who was basically raped by her brother Ammon, and then he was killed by Absalom. Adonijah, another one of David's son, rose up against Solomon when Solomon became king, and he was executed. So the family had horrible troubles. After the trouble with Bathsheba, the word basically said, the sword is not going to leave your household, David. There's going to be many problems, and you know the problems we studied at length, the problems he had with his son Absalom, and all that went on. So in verses 8 through 17, we have another war, a war with the Philistines, and David is the mighty, mighty victor. Now the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel. All the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it, and he went out against them. Then the Philistines went out and made a raid on the valley of Rephthim. This is in number 10. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. So David's following the Lord now. He's following the Lord the way he was supposed to be following the Lord. He's asking the Lord for information. They go up and there's a big fight. And then David burns all their gods. He burns all the clutter. He burns all the stuff to get it out of the way. I think it's wonderful. It's a great thing. And he, he continues on that. And then there's another fight. There's another battle where he, the Lord tells David, don't go in there. But wait until you hear the thunder of the trees and then come out and surprise them. So God is with David. He's having these fantastic victories over the Philistine. And things are looking great. He's defeating them. And as he defeats them, his fame gets greater and greater. And he, the blessings become more and more. And I wanted to get to verse 15. I think we'll get through it. It's a, it's a key chapter because they're finally going to bring the Ark of the Covenant Back. They're finally going to get the Ark of the Covenant and they're going to do it the right way. Now, at this moment, it's a great moment of triumph, bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And David reminds us, though, as we go through it, is that David built houses for himself in the city of David and he prepared a place for the Ark of God and pitched a tent for it. <laughs> so he's going to say, I have this beautiful house. But you're living in a tent, Lord. I need to build you a temple. This is going to be David's desire as we go on. The tent David prepared for the ark was not the tabernacle. It was not the tabernacle. The tabernacle of Moses was still at Gibeon. So David wanted to build God a house. He focused on this. But in verses 12 through 15 in 1 Chronicles 15, David says to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God to, of Israel to this place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. So David says, wait a minute, here's the mistake we made. And I like that. Here's the mistake we made. You did it wrong. <laughs> it's good to be in charge, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. That just struck me. I'm sorry. I digress. He said, sanctify yourself. Somebody tell me what sanctify means. Set apart. You are a sure.
You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of 1 Chronicles. I don't know about you, but the first thing I think of with this book is history, ancient history. I think of the stories of King David. But as I read through it today, I noticed how many verses there are that proclaim the goodness of God and give Him glory. Verses like 1 Chronicles 16, 29-31, which say, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. David had brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and the first response he and the people had to the presence of God was to worship Him. We want to be worshipers just like David was, and you're invited to join us. A Sure Hope comes to you out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. And if you're in the area, we would love to worship God together with you this weekend. Our services are held at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday morning. You can find all the information you need at assurehoperadio.com. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. That's all for today. But we hope to see you again next time as we rest together in a sure hope. Show.